0: Yeah, oh, it's not.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's funny how you do that sometimes, just out of nothing. Oh dear! Right, where do you go, I'll, I'll drink another bit of beer to make me feel more manly now.
2: Okay, it's just a shambles, mate. You're
0: going to mm. get me annoyed, so let's get. get oh, Dave, I've got Is more things sh- to. I've got oh, more yeah. things to cover than that. So. <laughs> How dare you not answer my call
2: That was strange, I did press accept But it did, d- didn't come through for some reason
0: I just got declined <laughs> Ah
2: right, ok, H- how yeah. am I sounding In the stadium
1: erupts in red, white and blue You've never seen anything like it Let's go
0: Manchester, brace yourself
1: Rangers are coming
0: Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the iReady podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing, Dave?
2: Happy New Year, Derek. How
0: are you? Happy New Year as well and happy New Year to all the listeners. Yes, we are back. I'm good, Dave. I was late coming on the pod today because I was pouring beer and it wouldn't settle properly.
2: Oh, I know. I'm still waiting on, on my invite to come and try this fantastic new beer machine pump type thing that you've got there on the, I think the next pod will, will definitely be a wee visit uh, in order to, to get that recorded so that I can uh, have a few glasses of that, definitely.
0: He invites himself round and he invites himself to have my beer. Eh?
2: Exactly, yeah. It's, it, it's the only way I know that that will get away with it when we're recording <laughs> because I know that you'll, you, you'll sound stingy if you say, no, you're not coming. So that's the reason that I do it when we're recording.
0: But luckily, we're pals, Davey.
2: Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yes, so we've got a lot to cover, even though there's not been any football on for the last week and a half now, and there's not going How's to be that, for. Derek? I-, I wonder why, yeah? You know, I wonder why.
2: <laughs> I'm sure you will get into that soon, Derek.
0: Yes, we will. So. First thing we've got to cover before we go anything, obviously, is it's fifty-first anniversary of the Ibrox disaster. Still, due to COVID, no proper event to mark the fiftieth anniversary. But you know, certainly, it's always a time to to remember those that lost their lives yeah. and went to a football game and never came home. And always a a sad day to remember.
2: Yes, definitely.
0: Yep. So, no other way of moving on now. But we'll just go down the tunnel and onto the park. So we've got five games to cover The oh first my goodness Five yes I'm going to skip through a lot of them Because they were yep. that long ago now The first game was Thursday the 9th of December It was a one each draw Away to Leon In the Europa League Group A game 6 The dead robber game as it were We held our own And we'd done more than Holding our own I would have yep, said
2: Definitely we did yep.
0: There was nine changes for Leon, and That shows you How they were taking it But certainly They still put out a great team Six changes from us From the Dundee game And a few of them Very sensible Because there were players Already on a yellow card So if they picked up A yellow card They would have been Banned for the, the next game In the, the yep. playoffs We lined up McLaughlin, Parsons, And Goldson Bassey, Barisic Lundstrom, Kamara Hadji, Kent Wright and Roof On the subs bench Were McGregor, McCrory Arfield, Arebo Bakuna, Davis Kelly and Tavenier So I was still A good team we put out As well wasn't it?
2: It certainly was Derek It shows the strength And depth that we've got In the squad For us to be able to Put out a team of international players As you say Thankfully the result did not matter for us. Uh, but, you know, as you're about to get into, it's still a very, very decent performance for the team.
0: Yes. One thing I've completely missed, this was Giovanni van Bronckhorst's first game as well.
2: That's right, yeah. First field game in charge, Derek. So, again, thankfully, it wasn't a game of huge importance for us, but still, you know, fantastic opposition away from home and a tough test for him. So, you know, kind of thrown in there. Uh, but, again, Not as uh, crucial a game So it was uh, a a good way to start off In my opinion
0: Derek Yep absolutely Despite not being the most exciting of games of football It was fairly impressive display from us Leon arguably had the bulk of the play For the first 30 minutes But never done anything with it That was largely because we contained them, And we were impressive in defence In the last 15 minutes a have, we came more into it and eventually got the goal. We had some very good passes play throughout, but couldn't quite get it together in the final third. Arguably, Leon's best chance came on the 10th minute when there was a long ball up over the top of our defence to Dembele. Beats the offside trap, goes 1v1 with McLaughlin, who had narrowed the angle, and Dembele fluffs his lines as well. And, you know, he had the cheek the other day, considering he'd done fuck all against us in this game, he had the cheek to come out on Twitter about a goal he scored in a game a few years ago beating us 2-1.
2: I know, you know, playing to the masses,
0: Derek, that's all I was doing there. Yeah. On the 24th minute, it was a lovely skill by Kent, not the Leon player, tight on the touchline near the halfway line, plays a lovely through ball to Roof, who was about 25 yards out, who tries a shot and the keeper was off his line uh, and it was just outside of the post. Unlucky there. Yep. There was some good defensive work though a minute later from us. McLaughlin comes out of his box to clear the ball but he miskicks it right to the Leon player who tried to shoot but the defenders and McLaughlin were in their way. McLaughlin was slow to get back but we managed to get enough of the defenders back to block any shot. So out of a mistake from McLaughlin the team pulled together and we managed to stop anything happening there. 36 minute Barisic robs the defender of the ball at the edge of the box cuts to his other side and hits a shot right at the keeper but it was a decent effort anyway and the keeper managed to save it though. Yeah. However, a few minutes later, on the 41st minute, we went 1-0 up with right scoring. It was a long free kick from the right, floated into the box, initially cleared but only to the left side. Kent picks it up, has a lovely chip ball to Kamara just inside the box at the touchline. Kamara skins the defender up with a shimmy, inside then out, plays a lovely ball to right on the edge of the box, who controls it, switches his feet and has a shot which is deflected into the net. A lovely all-round move. Again, it was a deflection, but I don't care the way that, however they go in.
2: And fantastic for him, Derek A player, you know, really A a fringe player trying to make his way in the team What a fantastic time for him to score as well Big match, big opponents Like I've said already, away from home Absolutely delighted, but as you
0: said, Derek, the build up play was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So that's how the first half ended out. Delighted with that performance so yep. far. Very good defensively when we needed to be. As I said, maybe just a wee bit more cutting edge in, in attack, and we might have got maybe more than one, but we're playing against Leon, for God's sake. You know, <laughs> I'll settle for 1 0 at half time at that point. Yeah just really looking for more of the same in the second half. Second half comes, despite losing a goal on the 48th minute, we've got to be happy with the overall performance in the second half. We lost the early goal, as I said, on the 48th minute when the attacker drove into the box, got on the right, near to the touchline, Barisic backing off all the time, crossed in and hit off Bassi and into the back of the net. Nothing Bassi could have done, Barisic could have done a, a wee bit better there rather than backing off, just commit and, and go for it. But, you know, it's one of these things where we're dropping goals just after half-time in Europe again.
2: Yeah, I know, unfortunately. And, you know, if, uh, as, as you say for Bassi, really unfortunate because I thought he had a fantastic game there. I can never put put a foot wrong in in, in my eyes, but, you know, It could have been better from from Barisic. And it's it's the one thing, as you'll get into the games that are coming up, I think that Barisic has been a big player. His role in the team has changed to a more defensive role. And it was maybe this game, he's sitting watching him for the first time, really, by Giovanni, that he he noticed maybe a wee discrepancies in his defending. Uh, So you you never know, because his role has definitely changed since this game.
0: Yeah. However, despite losing the goal, we settled back into rhythm. Leon maybe slightly shaded the the, the half, but our defence soaked everything up. That's not to say it was backs against the wall at all. It was just that we nullified anything they tried to do. On the 60th minute, Wright and Hadji came off, Arfield and Bakuna came on. Wright had a heavy challenge on them just beforehand, so maybe a a, a good thing there. I missed a point round about the 70th minute when I was dealing with my crying child. Leon had a curling effort that went just by the post. 72nd minute, roof off and rebo on and Aribo was one of the players that were on a yellow card, so it was certainly a good idea for the game. You know, we're one each, we're coming back in. Yeah, we had chances, you know, throw them in, just hope that he didn't pick up a card. Yeah. 83rd minute, it was a corner in from the right from Leon, not goal bound by the attacker's header, and Davis clears it off the line. A man on the post, it was the first time we've yeah, seen a man on nice. the post this year. Exactly. Hallelujah. Yeah, not, yeah. Yes. The 90th minute. There was a through ball on the right side of our defence, finds his man, hits a shot of at an angle, but McLaughlin chests out for the corner. 92nd minute, a free kick lobbed into the Leon box. Aribo nearly nips in and nicks the ball to round the keeper, but couldn't quite get there. And then on the last minute, 93rd minute, mix up between Patterson and Goldson in the middle of the park on the left hand side. The Leon attacker nicks the ball, drives it forward to the box, has a shot, but McLaughlin stood up to it well, and that's how the game rounded out. So certainly Leon had a few chances at the end there, could have made it 2 1, but we stood up to it, and we, we got ultimately what was a, a, a fantastic result
2: It was Derek, and I'm, I'm, you know, uh, Leon were expected to be the dominant team here, and although they did have a lot of the play, I wouldn't say at any point it was complete backs to the wall, Yeah, you know, for Rangers I actually thought we played a, quite a controlled game, considering the, the opposition that we were playing, so no I was delighted with, with the result Derek we had to make a number of changes like you said already Giovanni's first game in charge away from home in, in that stadium against that team you know you've got to be delighted with that result so I, I was really pleased
0: Absolutely And I think it was a few days later The draw was made Now some meaty meaty games That we could have got there And certainly we got One of the hardest ones I would have said Borussia Dortmund We've got in the playoffs Um, Meant to be on the 17th of February Away in the first leg And then the home legs On the 24th of next week Obviously no away goals count Unclear at this stage If fans will be allowed In either game Because I think Germany Have still got restrictions as well Certainly we might still have The the, the limit on, on fans In the stadium as well it's, you know, Borussia Dortmund, again, they're maybe not the same fearful sides that that they used to be, but certainly they're a cut above us, I would have said. Yeah. No, it's
2: going to be a really tough game, Derek. They're a top, top team. They are heavy favourites to win the match. But it's games like that that I love, Derek. I love it when there is no pressure on us and there really isn't any pressure on us. So players to go out there, put on a performance and who knows what could happen. So... Uh, looking forward to, to that one Derek I really
0: yep, am. Absolutely and with this run of form we're on and I know they've, we've got the break now then um, we'll, we'll just need to hope that we can yes. hope this the same run can go Yep. So the next game to cover here is Sunday the 12th of December. It was a 2-0 win away against Hearts in the Premiership now this was going to be a very, very tough tie despite Hearts dropping back in the league position we knew that Especially being at Tynecastle was going to be a very tough one. We lined up with six changes from the Leon game. It was McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Bassey, Barisic, Kamara, Aribo, Arfield, Sakala, Ken, and Morales on the subs bench. McLaughlin, Patterson, some Wright, Hadji, Davis, and Bakuna. So from the the starting lineup, very attacking,
2: very attacking. Derek, I think we saw the tent, what Van Bronckhorst was wanting to do. I think he was wanting to get the game killed off early but uh, putting that amount of attacking players out in the team, so we were sitting there thinking that this that this was going to be a big, big test for us because Hearts at home, you know, formidable team. Derek, so to go with that lineup really gung ho, and thankfully it worked out for us.
0: Yep. Now a very, very good first half from us, despite Hearts arguably starting out the stronger uh, and we ultimately scored with uh, our first real st- chance not on the break. On the third minute, Hearts had a good chance. Uh, it was really poor defending once again with a ball over the top of our defence and McGregor had to be alert and managed to get a hand to the ball uh, after a shot and put a great save over the bar. However, our first real chance on the ninth minute, Morales makes it 1-0. It was a long ball pass to Kent on the left side by the touchline. Kent had his back to go, however, one touch and a lovely spin to beat his man Charges down the left Gets across into the box Morelis jumps But it just evades him However, goes to the far side of the box Where Sakala picks it up Skins his man Cuts it back to Morelis Who shoots it into the back of it. Brilliant awareness all round
2: Tremendous, Derek I just had a feeling As soon as Kent got past his man I thought, we are in here And as you say It was, it was great awareness by Sakala You know, he, he keep his eye on the ball Because, the, you know, the ball And just like you said It was going to be too high You know, we would be expecting that to go closer to Morelos there. But Sakala kept his eye on the ball. Great awareness. Brilliant turn of pace again by Sakala just to get past his man. Just a tiny wee burst of pace. And then awareness again. Cut back to Morelos and, you know, poachers instinct there in the back of the net. Absolutely delighted, Derek. Tremendous stuff. Counter-attack play at its best And really hearts dumbstruck Because as you say They had started off the, the better team And that was just exactly what we were needing At that time in the game Brilliant stuff
0: Yep. A minute later we nearly made it 2-0 as well because Sakala had a shot which went across the goal Uh, it was unlucky nobody picked it up or his shot never went in however we did make it 2-0 three minutes later because in the 13th minute Aribo made it 2-0 passing the ball about in midfield a stunning long ball over the top of the Hearts defence by Goldson an even better first touch by Aribo to control it knocks it into the box for himself and on the left hand side he shoots it into the back of the net outstanding goal
2: it really is a guy that's on top form, Derek, and really in, in that game showed that, as you said, a phenomenal. I mean, the, this is the the sort of goal Goldson play that we're looking for. We, we all know that's his trademark—that sort of diagonal long ball. But it was it was slightly more central this time. But the awareness of a rebo to keep going, keep himself on side as well, showing you how good a ball that was. Kept himself inside, as you say. That first touch, just to control the ball in front of himself and then a fantastic finish. As I say, a guy full of confidence just now and that goal just proved it. Stunning goal and at that point, Derek, I was thinking it was going to be a complete whitewash because we were ripping them to bits just in those those few minutes there because we'd had scored the goal a tremendous chance and then scored the second goal, goal again. So, not absolutely delighted at that point. 2-0 two, two up so early on in the game
0: yep 16th minute a nice move from Hearts working the ball into our box heavy touch by their attacker which always McGregor retrieves the ball from the feet of the attacker 32nd minute Hearts get the ball inside their box and the attacker spins and shoots but it hits the side netting still a reminder that they can be dangerous at times as well
2: Yeah.
0: 34th minute, a shot from distance from Hearts, but an easy take from McGregor. 35th minute, another shot from distance by Hearts, but wide. So they had, you know, a a few chances as well. They were still to be, you know, not messed with, but we more than held our own. So, delighted with the first half, 2-0 up. You could argue that the game was over at that point. However, as I've said, you know, just there, Hearts still had a few chances as well. So we had to have our wits about us.
2: Definitely, yeah.
0: Yep, 47th minute into the second half Hearts with a chance at the near post with McGregor tip note over the bar 53rd minute across him to the right by Hearts. Bassey sticks a toe out and hits off the underside of our bar, very lucky with that one there he It is. would have been very unlucky for him as well to score in two OGs in two games We had went straight up the park after that with a lovely move, a pass forward to Morellis who was running in the box he was flagged for off the offside which it didn't look like it to me and Morellis was caught in the box by Gordon eh, but it was after the whistle was blown so Certainly, it was potentially not an offside and Craig Gordon could have seen his jotters there.
2: Yeah, I know Derek, really, uh, really, really lucky there at that stage. But, uh, you know, I'm still going back to, to like what you were saying just, just before that, though, Hart still causing a lot of problems so having to be, you know, it's good that we're being tested like that as well and great to see us, you know, being able to defend so well and still be able to create chances. But as you say, Gordon, really lucky there.
0: I think it was in that same move as well when Hearts had their chance that the ball hit off the arm of Goldson now a lot of debate about that as you would expect and then a lot of claims of Masonic bias and all that crap I'm not, even getting, <laughs> not even getting into that Dave but the ball yes it did hit his arm but it was down by his side and it more rolled off his arm than actually it was a deliberate attempt to get the ball so quite rightly and whether it was missed by the ref or the linesman or not it was quite rightly it wasn't given because it was yeah. down that his hand wasn't flailing out yep. so that's the the new lo- rules so yep. you need to exactly. with them. Uh, 57th minute long ball to the left for Hearts nice 1-2 and a shot but it was wide of the far post 59th minute a pass to Morelos on the right side of the Hearts half he receives it a, a lovely through ball to Arfield from Morelos with his second pass Arfield 1v1 with the keeper and has a shot but Gordon stood up to it and blocked it out of the corner arguably Arfield could have done a wee bit better there
2: Definitely And again Derek Usually a guy Who's put pretty You know Sure in front of goals I was quite surprised I was expecting the ball To hit the back of the net there But not, not to
0: be no. 61st minute So on the right Gets past his man Hits a shot in the box Gordon spills Arfield tries to get the ball But the defender clears it So unlucky there 63rd minute A quick break up the park Kent and Morelis in the box With two defenders Kent passes to Morales On the right Who has a shot Keeper spills Morelis picks up the spill And tries to shoot again But blocked Passes to Arfield in space In the middle Who has a shot But he completely sclaps it So yeah. in, the, in the space Of maybe 5-10 minutes there Arfield yeah. had about Three chances Where I know. You know, if he was maybe a wee bit more alert, could have got at least one of them.
2: Definitely, Derek, especially that last one there when Morelos sort of passed it back to him. I thought he just had to to pick his spot at at that point. So that was poor by his standards.
0: Yep. 65th minute, Hearts break down the right-hand side. The Hearts player picks it up at the far post. The ball actually goes out of play, but nothing was flagged for it. They, They cut it back to the attacker in the middle who blasts it over the bar. Poor linesmanship there. Yeah. 69th minute, Tavenier booked for absolutely nothing, he was jumping up, looking at the ball the whole way, and another Hearts player actually moved into his path as Tavenier was in the air and fouled Tav, yeah Tav's the one who got booked for it quite baffling, yeah,
2: definitely
0: 71st minute, 25 yard free kick from Hearts on the right, up and over the wall and crashes off the bar, living dangerously at this point, even though it was 2-0 72nd minute, Morellis off, right on and then a bit of madness from a Hearts player here, on the 80th minute a red card for a second yellow card defence it was a tough challenge on Barisic which he took exception to, I would have said he was quite right with that one it was a bit of handbags, Ginelli who was a Hearts player who was already on a booking, charges in and starts wrestling with Barisic and ends up picks up his second yellow card. Barisic for some weird reason gets a, a book in two. And the irony of the whole situation is Barisic and the player who fouled him had already shook hands after having the handbags <laughs> and the situation was over. So Ginelli, I don't know what he was thinking, why he wanted to come running over there, cause an issue, and you know, get himself sent off. It, it was a complete Chris Sutton handball moment for him there. 82nd minute, it off and lunch from on. 85th minute, a good save by McGregor to put it out for the corner after Barisic lost the ball just outside the box and there was a shot at the bottom corner by Hearts. 91st minute, Bassi charges in into the left side of the Hearts box and has a shot but blasted over the bar. And the last piece of play, 95th minute, free kick by Kent on the edge of the box. Hits a thunderbolt round the wall but right at the keeper and out for the corner and that's when the final whistle blew. So... Hearts certainly with a number of chances, they could have, if they had their shooting boots on, they might have got one, maybe even two, you never know. But largely our defence stood up to it and delighted with a
2: 2-0. Yeah, you've seen that Derek, Hearts did make a few good chances, but if you're going to go on the the, the number of clear-cut chances that were created there, I think we would have ran out maybe 5 or 6-2 winners At the end, so no, absolutely delighted with that score. Derek, see to go to Tynecastle, I don't care who who you are, every team in Scotland, I reckon, Bar, Rangers and Celtic, you would expect to be beaten at Tynecastle when they're playing hearts because, you know, it is a bit of a a fortress for them. We were expecting it to be a tough game, uh, but to come out there scoring two, no conceding any and creating a lot of chances playing some really good it was actually an excellent game to watch Derek if if you were you know, Scottish football gets a lot of criticism but that was certainly an excellent attacking game of football to watch and just absolutely delighted that we got the points because that on paper was going to be a really tough one for us so Mm. absolutely brilliant stuff
0: Yes So it lined us up nicely for the next game which was on Wednesday the 15th of December another 2-0 win This time at home against St. Johnson in the Premiership now. St. Johnson, high-flying, wonder manager who won two cups last year, sitting bottom of the table at this point in in the league. So we had one change from the Hearts game and that was Hadji coming in for Sakala. So we lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Bassey, Barisic, Kamara, Aribo, Harfield, Hadji, Kent and Morelis. On the subs bench we had McLaughlin, Simpson, Patterson, Bakuna, Wright and Sakala. So, completely dominant in the first half, 72% possession to us, no shots at all from St Johnson, and as one of my mates said at the time, St Johnson should be relegated on this performance alone. That said, despite having all of the ball and a number of shots, because St Johnstone were parking the bus and putting more or less everyone in the box when we were attacking it was difficult to find an opening. We were trying a lot, mainly down the wing but couldn't find a breakthrough. Kent was the most lively player and we had a number of chances but couldn't eh, either find the angle or the keeper was called into action. We were unlucky on the 11th minute with a rebo when it was a stunning shot from 25 yards off the outside of the left post and then went by for the goal kick there. However, we did also have a claim for a penalty on the 40th minute when Kamara was clipped in the box from behind. Nothing given. Probably a correct decision there. Certainly there was a claim. However, we eventually got the breakthrough three minutes from the break because Morelos scored on the 42nd minute to make it 1-0. It was a corner in from the left. Goldson with the initial header in the middle, but it was going wide of the right post. But Morelos was there with the follow-up header into the back of the net. Right place, right time. Great instincts.
2: Yep, absolutely But I don't know if uh, the, the, the original header was t- going to try and get aimed just so that it was going to go on the opposite side of the goalkeeper. I don't know what he was thinking, but regardless, as you say, Derek, great poacher's instincts again there by Alfredo Morelos, right in there. Great header and a great time for us to get the goal as well, considering the amount of pressure that, that we've had in the game. Because if we'd have went in at half-time still at 0-0, n- 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 there might have been a few nerves there going in but so
0: just a fantastic point to get the first goal for us Second half, really more of the same because we're in complete control again for for the whole of the second half bar five minutes I think and we got the early goal in the 49th minute with Kent scoring and that really killed it off to make it 2-0 An absolutely lovely goal, started in our defence, ball passed to rebo in the halfway line, Morellas charging down the right side, rebo slides a lovely ball to him, Morelos drives it forward into the right side of the box, looks up and a lovely ball across the deck to Kent who only had to tap it in, outstanding goal.
2: Yep, tremendous stuff, great again, great the fact that we just started off straight away in the second half, Derek wasn't and to get the goal early on. That got rid of all the nerves completely and the team, and as you say, fantastic goal as well, to just, just to wrap it up. And, uh, you know, that was it. We knew that that was game over because St had offered absolutely nothing going forward. Uh, and, as I say, relief as well. So, brilliant stuff.
0: Yeah, after that I wouldn't say we took it easier we played a slightly different way we were playing, we maybe sat back a bit more we were comfortable to play around the pitch still going forward when we could but we didn't overextend ourselves because the game was done at that point, due to this I think though, St Johnson had a 5 minute spell of pressure around about the 60th minute where they had a couple of chances but were off target one of them however was a bit dangerous on the 64th minute when they had a corner, it was initially cleared Kent sclaffed the ball though St Johnson picked the ball back up a long ball back into the back post the St Johnston attacker with a free header but he put it well wide so if he had a wee bit less of a biscuit tin he'd might have caused us us a wee bit of danger (laughs) there but um, well wide nonetheless
2: yeah thankfully
0: made a sub on the 67th minute Kent off and Sakala on there was a dive by the St Johnston player on the 72nd minute Kamara loses out with a poor touch more of a heavy pass in, uh, from our defence in fairness the attacker nicks the ball gets into the box and he basically falls down a complete dive and he was booked for it see when, we've, when we first seen it, it to be honest it did look like a, a clear shove by Kamara but you see seen it back on replay and it was a bigger dive as you would like yeah yeah, yeah. And then the last thing I've got here is Barisic came off on the seventy ninth minute. Uh, we we thought he was you know injured because he was signaled for that, and Patterson came on, and he, he kind of he, he never limped off. He, he walked off himself, and uh, maybe it turns out he maybe had a bit of an upset stomach. So maybe our case of the Gary oh, Lineker's right, there. Okay. Yeah,
2: possibly yes.
0: <laughs> less us about that. The I was
2: I was going to say something else, but no, just move, move,
0: move on <laughs> swiftly, please. I think that's what he done.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's how the game rounded out. So delighted with that, and uh, as much as we we shouldn't be delighted with that, a, a, a two nil against the bottom of the table. We knew they were going to be stuffy, park the bus, and to come away with a with a zero and a exactly. two nil uh, as well, great. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So that lined us up against another what was going to be another tough game Saturday the eighteenth of December. It ended up being a one 0 win at home against Dundee United in the Premiership. We had two changes from the St Johnson game, Patterson in for Barisic and Lundstrom in for Aribo. If Aribo picked up another yellow card, he would have missed the all firm game. So another great decision by the management there. Yeah. Or, or so or so so we thought, Dave. So we thought.
2: Yes, I so 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 we thought, Derek. Uh, this game for for me, Derek. I was actually quite wary about this game because, as we know, Dundee United had to field a lot of their younger players here, and I was hearing a lot before the game that it should be a whitewash to Rangers. And it always, when you hear things like that, you're always very wary of that teams are going to come and try and f- frustrate or That's that. So I thought, at least, but I actually thought Dundee United give quite a good account of themselves considering the amount of players that were down. But I'll, I'll, I'll let you get into it.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you said, that a number of changes, six in total, with a number of youth players playing. So that was obviously due to COVID issues. So rumors that they uh, had a wee night out in Newcastle, wasn't it? So But I it, so yeah, yeah. I, as you know, sometimes making you know these number of changes and especially bringing youth players in who are champing at the bit sometimes to get into the first yes. team they fully take that that chance they get, so that's kind of what happened here. Anyway, we lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Bassey, Patterson, Kamara, from Arfield, Kent, Hadji and Morelos. On the subs bench we had McLaughlin, Simpson, Aribo, Bakuna, Wright and Sakala and Leon King. And also to boot, it was a very foggy Ibrox as well.
2: It was, yes,
0: yes. So summary in the first half was caveated by Amahi RTV heavily buffered for the first 25 minutes of the first half. However, wasn't really great football at all from what I've seen no. we had a lot, lot of possession, knocking the ball about, trying to probe yeah. uh, the ball forward but it was very pedestrian largely due to United pressing high and chasing every ball, we were finding it yep. difficult to get going due to this we had a few shots, only two on target though, one of them was quite dangerous on the 45th minute, it was a good move from Kent on the left hand side, nice ball to the overlapping Patterson who plays a stunning ball to the back post which finds the head of Morelos from 6 yards out only for the keeper to tip it over the bar so unlucky there. Only one shot on target from United as well that was on the fourth minute when that was the first chance of the game i seen. They were driving the ball forward, a mix-up at the back with our defender, sticking a foot out trying to clear it but passes to Clark in the box who manages to get a shot off and an easy save for McGregor. Hadji wasn't playing well at all. I've always seen this about him, he never seems to play particularly well when he starts a game.
2: Derek, I was actually going to speak to you about Hadji, and it's he's, uh, he's a bit of a puzzler because a, no doubt the guy's a class act. There's no doubt he's got the ability to turn a game. There's no doubt he's got the ability to score goals, create goals. You know, the, 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 there's no one out there is questioning the ability that the guy has got. But like you, is he a better impact player? Is he a better player to come on as a substitute? And I still don't know what his position is. Do you? I still don't know if he's a winger. I don't know if he's a striker. I don't know if he's a support player. I don't know if he's a centre midfielder. I everybody keeps saying oh he's the perfect number ten. Everybody you know, and then you see him playing for his his national team and he's getting played on the wing. You've also seen him saying that he, you know he, he wants to play more as a striker also. It's just a, it's a puzzling one, Derek. He, he's he's a bit of an, an an enigma, and vast majority of times I'm feeling recently that I'm getting more frustrated with the guy. And I know he is a, a really good player, but I'm just I'm just puzzled with him at the moment. I don't know what your thoughts on on, on him are, but.
0: I think you're kind of the same as me I think the way he gets played in our team is he seems to be this as you said like in a number 10 where he's roaming about that front line as an attacking midfielder almost rather than a striker but I think that's maybe what's hindering him to be honest rather than just sticking to one area he's trying to do too much and be all over the park that way so maybe he just needs that one particular place to stick in whether it's been a central attacking midfielder or an attacking midfielder on the left or the right just stick to one side and and then do that but yeah, he, he is a bit of a mystery, and as you said, he has yeah. got the ability. But it's Definitely. what I don't think we're seeing the best of him, and that's that, that's no, the problem. No, no,
2: that a hundred percent true, Derek. And it's it's trying to find a way of getting the best out of him, and it seems to be that we rave about Hadji and always talk about him when he has came on as a substitute. Maybe we half an hour to go, and he's changed the game for us. And maybe that's you know the, you you know the best time to play him is 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 just to bring him off the bench. I honestly don't know, but you certainly see signs in every single game that he plays. You'll see yourself, oh, if that was unlucky, and oh, look what he was trying there, and the fact that had, it came off it had been world class or spectacular. So, like you said, I'm not uh, questioning the guy's ability in the slightest. I'm really not, but just trying to find the right role for him has proven to be more difficult.
0: Yeah, we'll just need to see if we can keep him in the transfer window. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the next thing which we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll yeah. get into, obviously. But anyway, yeah. really in the second half, we're looking for more pace and I really couldn't see Dundee United keeping that pace up. So in the second half, arguably better than the first half, but we were completely off the boil in the final third. We dominated possession, we just lacked that pace and cut an edge, and Dundee United, as I suspected, did drop off in that second half. We made a change at half-time and ultimately made an instant impact with an injection of pace, uh, which did start to create things, but generally it was shots wide of playing fizzled out, and that substitute was Lundström off, and that was Scott Wright on. We made another change on the 64th minute, Arfield off and Aribo on. Our best chance to that point came on the 66th minute. It was a lovely one-two with Alfie and Wright in the box, ending in Wright managing to get clear in the box, having a shot, but the keeper saves after narrowing the angle. And then those three words on the 70th minute, what you love to hear. Penalty to Rangers. It was a cross in from the right yes. by Tavernier, clearly hits of the arm of the defender. The referee didn't even give it, but the linesman did. So it was quite funny instantly the, the Celtic fans moaning at the fact that, oh, the referee's given a, a, a penalty to Rangers, something that he couldn't give to Celtic in the previous game. Well, It wasn't the referee that gave it in this instance. Uh, I don't know what the referee was playing it as well. He's blind as a bat with this one. Fair play to the linesman for for actually giving that as well. 31st minute, up steps Tavernier, high into the left corner, a beautiful penalty. Which is quite surprising as well, Tavernier taking it because he'd been off penalties. It was normally been Roof for the past few. Obviously, roof not being in the team couldn't take him. So, great penalty. Back to penalty scoring ways for Tavernier. It
2: held his nerve, Derek, because we were struggling. And this was a lifeline for us. And, you know, all credit to the captain, stepping up, taking the responsibility, dispatching the penalty away and giving us that vital lead in this game. Because, you know, as you were talking about earlier, we were struggling, we were toiling, having a lot of the ball and really doing nothing with us. So just great for us to take the lead in this game and, uh, you know, go on and try and see the game out after that. So a crucial time to score.
0: Yeah. We should have made it 2-0 on the 79th minute because Morelos had the ball into the back of the net after a free kick floated into the left side, but it was ruled offside as Morelos had strayed off. Correct decision, unfortunately. Yeah. Last two bits of play here, it was on the 90th minute, it was a quick break from with Morelos, winning the ball in midfield, drives it forward, slides it to the right to Eribo in the box, who has a shot and deflected out for the corner. And then a near nightmare scenario because in the 92nd minute, United had the ball on the left, floated in a lofted speculative ball into the box. Kamara and Goldson let the ball bounce, which goes right to Nicky Clark who headers it off the bar. Absolute shite defending there and really could have made it one each at that point there.
2: Yeah, m- mix up again, Derek. I don't know. what it was, a, it was definitely miscommunication with both of them. They were leaving it to each other to clear, which I thought we had you know, ended because we're having that many problems with that. At the start of the season, I thought that had all been ironed out but no, I'm very fortunate to get away with that one there. I was. Uh, my heart was in my mouth at that stage but thankfully the ball didn't end up in the back of the net.
0: Yep, but that was how the game ended up. Absolutely delighted again with that. Another potential banana skin uh, away, out Definitely. The, away out there. That was three wins in the Premiership in, de- in December out of three so far. Delighted.
2: Yep, and zero goals
0: conceded, Derek. Exactly, yeah. So, Dave, I'm now going to take a massive diversion from the football before we get into our last and final game, because I think it's very pertinent. On the 21st, Sturgeon announced that from Boxing Day, outdoor major events were going to be limited to 500 people due to COVID issues. It's since been admitted that it was basically an arbitrary number that they came up with. There's no science behind it. Yep but no. to quote to quote here but we had to start somewhere so you have got you've got a stadium that has, holds 10,000 is only getting 500 you've got a stadium that holds 50 and 60,000 only getting 500 not 500 per stand 500 total there is absolutely no sense in that whatsoever not even a percentage of the capacity i mean
2: Derek, i'll take it a step f- further than that you said a stadium that holds 10,000 with 500 pe- people in it, which is an absolute joke. Go down to the lower leagues, right? Down to teams in the second division and stuff like that in Scotland that are getting, they're basically getting, and I'm not, someone can, can can let let me know, but I'm taking this just by my own experience of going to watch certain teams when they played in the bottom leagues of Scotland. 500 people, is almost like a capacity crowd for these teams. Derek. yeah right so that's not a kick in the ass off what they would be getting if they you, you know there was no restrictions on anyway so the clubs in the bottom league weren't seeing a huge difference in that so the science is out completely because this is like a, 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 a not norm, a normal crowd for a, a lower lower league team compared to going to a stadium that holds 52,000 people in it Absolutely ridiculous! It should have been done on percentages. You know, with the the, the size of the the stadiums, let the each each club. It wouldn't be difficult to make up the amount of numbers to go and say, you know, we're working at a ten percent capacity of each stadium. What it holds something like that? Then you would know straight away how how many fans would be allowed to go in. As you say, a complete farce, a number made up on the spot but that just shows the type of government that we've got running this country, Derek. It's just an absolute joke.
0: Getting away from the, the government side of it here... Football inside of it. Straight away, there were calls by Celtic and a few others to bring the winter break forward and to postpone yes. games after Boxing Day. Surprise, after,
2: surprise.
0: Exactly. After a hurried vote, this was granted the next day. We voted against it, obviously, saying that games should be played. Folk tried to twist that round, try to brand us hypocrites after last year we said that football without fans is nothing. This is not the same situation at all. It really isn't. And if you can't see that, then you're letting your own bias and bigotry get in the road of that. Now, two things from our point of view, from our fans, is that some of our fans were slamming our board for not being in the papers constantly like Celtic were and releasing statements every two seconds, putting our, our side across. It would make no difference whatsoever what, what our club done when we are only one of two clubs that voted against this. It was obviously it was going to go to a, a vote and a majority decision. What did you want our board to say exactly that, that that wasn't already said in the SPFL boardroom? Secondly, and it's what I said on Twitter, the decision was allegedly based on making f- sure a full complement of fans are in the stadium when football's there and ultimately keeping fans safe. There were two or three games on the SPFL cards on that same night that that vote was passed. So if this was about COVID and fan safety, the games that night should have been cancelled. Yes,
2: If this was
0: about getting fans into the stadium, Boxing Day games with only 500 fans in stadiums should have been cancelled also. It's quite clear what this was about, especially considering there's absolutely no guarantees that fans are going to be allowed back in the stadiums after the break. Now, Doncaster came away that same night with it's a good day for democracy. Well, fuck off, quite simply, because Incredible. it showed you democracy hasn't worked in the past for the SPFL, so why would it start now? Then he warned the next day that there's absolutely no leeway at all for any other postponements. So it ultimately calls into question the timing of the winter break originally, as for the last four or five years, our weather has been not bad in January, it's been bad in February and March. Yeah also given at the time that the experts were surmising that the Omicron variant of COVID will peak at the start of February. So what's the point of bringing games back in February then, or the end of of January, rather than playing the games in January, or scrapping the winter break altogether? We are the only league in Scotland, never mind the only league in Europe, we are the only league in Scotland to enforce a postponement because the lower leagues voted to play on the lower leagues voted to play on, yep. but the, the top yep. league, the, the flagship league, the one with the big sponsor, they they decided to postpone. Utter yep. shambles. So when the the one bit of comedy that's came from it, though, is when asked about the whole postponement thing in the press conference on the 24th, Alan McGregor, it's quite clearly he was put up there for a reason because he came out with, well, we all know sport and integrity is one of the biggest things in Scottish football, don't we? Yes. <laughs> quite so obviously... Fair. Quite obviously, a dig at Celtic's threadbare squad they put out on the 22nd. On that note, Celtic played the twi- on the 22nd against a depleted St Mirren squad and ended up drawing 0 drawing 0. Now, St Mirren had asked for the game to be postponed originally the game against us, and the, sorry, the game against Celtic that night and the game against us on Boxing Day due to them having massive COVID issues, which was denied by the, by the SPFL. The SPFL broke their own rules allowing St Mirren to recall loans. Now Celtic, if you look at their squads over the last two games, they have a massively depleted squad as well. So I'm not going to get all conspiracy theorists as well because there is rumours out there that Celtic went out celebrating the the same night they won the the League Cup and that's where they've picked up a, a lot of Covid. However, I'm not going to justify that because we don't know that for certain. What we do know, though, is Celtic have got a bunch of cheese-string hamstrings in their squad, so they've got massive injury worries. So there's quite clearly Celtic want to call uh, postponements for up-and-coming major games against us for a reason, isn't there?
2: Well, Derek, we we all knew everything that was going on in the background, didn't we? We all knew, and at at the same time, Derek, this is a team, and it's it's been brought to light, Look at All you've got to do is look at their sordid past when it comes to getting games postponed. Giving them themselves a winter break when no one else was able to get one with the so-called Tours of the Far East and games that were postponed before when their, their, their squad was suffering with injuries, using pathetic excuses, shameful excuses to get it done. They will try, they'll go to any lengths to, to, to do. They've got absolutely no shame. And we knew exactly what was going on, Derek. It was nothing to do with, with anything else. It was just to benefit them and no, no one else. And as usual, they've got their way.
0: And it's quite funny the Celtic fans turning around and saying, we shat it. Well, we voted to play the game. And then they turn it around, oh, ah, but you wanted yes. no fans or next to no fans in the stadium. Well, you're the ones that actually voted for getting the game postponed, not us. Yes. You know this whole thing about, oh we can only play when there's fans against. Them. The last fucking game we played against them, we had no manager, we had our fourth choice keeper, we had about five other injuries or COVID issues that game, and still fucking beat them and played them off the park. Yes, it's unbelievable, exactly, Derek. And that's not the most uh, embarrassing uh, 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 thing they've came up with over the last few days, is it? No, it's definitely
2: not. It was uh, the, the, the whole thing has been a sham, Derek. And as you say, there is no guarantee whatsoever that when these games do get played that there's going to be fans back in the stadium anyway so we will wait and see what happens I've got no doubt in my mind if things don't go according to plan for them that they will try some other sort of sham move either they get the game postponed again or you know something to happen with it They've always got an excuse, Derek, that they're always the victims, regardless what happens. So we just have to basically go out and concentrate on ourselves when we do eventually get to beat them. And hopefully we will beat them soundly and put them back in the place where, where, where they belong, because they really are a, a piece of work, the whole lot of them
0: absolutely so that leads us into the last game we've got to cover here and it's the last game we might have to cover for a while depending on the way it works out but it's boxing day sunday the 26th of december uh, it's a 2-0 win at home against st Mirren. now only 500 fans in attendance due to sturgeon's control on this one here st Mirren had five first team players out with covid for the celtic game but surprise surprise all five of them came back for our game yeah. Yes, we had three changes from the Dundee United game. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Bassey, Barisic, Kamara, Haji, Aribo, Wright, Kent and Morelis. On the subs bench were McLaughlin, Simpson, Patterson, Davis, Bakuna, Arfield and Sikawa. So... Jim Goodwin did in fairness you know, get a good result against Celtic and they made no bones about putting, parking the bus against us which is yeah. basically what he'd done despite that it was a great first half completely in control making their defence work which is good considering they did park the bus St Mern not venturing forward at all got a number of chances especially for Morelos, who was just wider target more often than not uh, it was good crossing from Barisic and, Aribo and uh, which was as tricky as ever we got our first goal on the 14th minute with Scott Wright scoring it was a corner from the right by Tavernier to the front post Arebo gets a flick on goes to the back post where right hits a downward header tightly into the bottom left corner and just past the keeper great goal
2: header as well Derek I think when they spoke to him after the game I think he was as surprised as anybody that he managed to get a goal from his head I think he actually alluded to the fact that it's probably his first senior goal that he scored with a head one of the weakest guys in the park a winger you don't often see that but fair play to him he put all his weight behind it. He got it on target. That's exactly what you're looking for. And excellent. Delighted for him and great for us as well.
0: Yes. We went 2-0 up on the 26 minute with Morelos scoring. Barisic with a stunning long ball from the left from a standing start. Right to the back post, which finds a head of Morelos with a powerful header. The keeper saved, but rebounded back out to Morelos, who fires in the ball into an empty net. Great.
2: Yeah, it was. Thundered that second goal in. Again, brings up a tweet from certain fans of that actually saying did he really have to hit the ball that hard? It could have injured the goalkeeper. <laughs> it was incredible. But no, lashed the ball into the back of the net. I think he knew he was unlucky with a header. Delighted for Alfredo. You know how much I love him, Derek. I love to see him score and uh, excellent for us at that stage. Considering, as you say, St Myrne had an almost full-strength squad there and they got their great result against Celtic. They were maybe fancying to get a wee shock but great for us to go 2-0 two, two up so so early on and really put the game to bed let's be honest
0: yep. second half we're looking for more of the same and that's pretty much what we got the game was was out of reach of St modern anyway Yep. had a number of chances 57th minute quick break with Morella sliding the ball to right on the right hand side of the box lovely lofty cross to Kent on the left he should have shot but had a cushion pass to Hadji who shoots it over the bar it was a lovely move but we should have shot earlier Hadji on the 61st minute Hadji to on the right side of the box slides it to right who jinks past the defender in the box and hits a shot at a tight angle hits the left post the ball comes out to Barisic at the edge of the box who is an absolute thunder bastard skiffs off the head of the defender and over the bar it should have been a corner, but a goal kick was given. However, it was an outstanding all round move. A raft of changes on the 68th minute with Kent and Hadji off, Arfield and Sakala on. And then the last piece of play I've got here is on the 71st minute corner in from the left, cleared, but only to the edge of the box. Who, and we had a rocketed shot on the half volley, saved but the near post as well. And that's really how the game ended up. So delighted with the 2 0 win again.
2: Excellent, Derek. And again, like I said in our last game.
0: No goals conceded. Yes. So in the table, we've played twenty, won sixteen, drawn three, lost one, scored forty-three, conceded fourteen, goal difference plus twenty-nine, and were on fifty-one points. Six ahead of Celtic, because obviously they drew against St. Murden there. Fifteen ahead of Hearts and twenty ahead of Motherwell. So you know six points ultimately is nothing. It can. it's a good gap, I'm glad we've got it yes. but we can't rest on the laurels and with the gap to third place it just shows you how much they've dropped off in the space of, what, five six games here.
2: That's right Derek, definitely, but as I say we can only concentrate on ourselves, keep going the way that we have been winning our games, absolutely delighted with the way that the defence is shaping up, I spoke very briefly about Uh, Borna Barisic, I think Barisic's role in the team has been the one that's changed uh, the most dramatically. If you're watching Barisic now, he is very much a defensive player. He's the one that's coming back to help out the back two more than what James Tavernier is. I think he has basically been told, you're a defender, make sure that you're defending first and foremost that's the, the big change. And, you know, Derek, we're playing Bassi in there, who isn't really a recognised centre-half, for him to have played the amount of games that he has, for the amount of clean sheets that we've had, I think it just shows the organisation of the, the, the new coaching staff that's in there. And I do think that the, the, the new role for Barris, it just played a huge part in that. Uh, so long may it m- continue, Derek. Absolutely delighted with Geo start. To the, his, his Rangers management career I'm hoping we go from strength to strength uh, you know, as, uh, And hopefully bring some new players in as well Which I'm sure you're about to get into also But no, we can't complain whatsoever Derek And let's be honest, we Rangers fans Were really looking forward to the, the you know the game That we were supposed to be playing against Celtic Because we're flying high But we will have to wait for that one now As you stated a wee while ago
0: Yes. So the games we've got coming up is Tuesday the eighteenth of January. That's away to Aberdeen in the Premiership. That's a nineteen forty-five kickoff. I say the games we've got coming up, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with exactly. with Herr Sturgeon's announcements in the next few days, so we'll wait and see. Friday yep. the twenty first of January at home to Stirling Albion in the Scottish Cup. That's a nineteen forty five kickoff. Now There's a bit of controversy about that because Rangers have been taking the money for that game for presumably fans getting into the stadium. So I don't know. They may have a lot of refunds to issue. Maybe a bit cheeky, but I suppose they've got to at least plan for having fans in the stadium anyway. Wednesday the 26th of January at home to Livingston in the Premiership. That's a 19.45 kick-off. Saturday the 29th of January away to Ross County in the Premiership. That's a 12.30 kick-off. That rounds out January and then we've obviously got Allegedly, the the Old Firm game yes. on Wednesday the second of February. It's a nineteen forty five kick off for the Old Firm game. Allegedly, you know, considering police have said that they would never have it on a weeknight again. Well, we'll wait and see if fans yeah. get in the stadium. Mm-hmm. However, the game may be in doubt for the fact that uh, due to Celtic's you know amazing world world beaten Japanese superstars that the, the, they've bought, they all might be on international duty, so they've got um, grounds to postpone the game. <laughs>
2: Oh, right. I
0: right? Okay. I don't think that's going to be the case but I mean, ultimately any games postponed, I mean this is what one of the things I can't remember who said it but somebody quite rightly came out with, well any new sign that have been made shouldn't be able to play in the games that were needlessly postponed and and that, mm-hmm. I think that's actually quite correct because it's allowed Celtic to, and, you know, us as well granted, and we've lost a player in that, you know, to, to uh, games that they should have been or potentially been involved in, they are going to be playing in, so Yes. So that we'll wait and see how that happens. So uh, as long as the, the form continues after the break, I'll be I'll be chuffed.
2: Yes, me as well, Derek. I think you know going into this, you know, whenever the old, the old firm game is supposed to be uh, going into that, if we're still six points clear, I'll be absolutely d- delighted with that, Derek. So here's hope. Here.
0: Yes. So we'll now go into the classic match.
1: And then it is the final whistle's gone. Rangers have won. The, Cup the
0: Cup. Dave, you have got... I uh, don't know what you've got, actually, because I've not wrote it down. got <laughs> well, the
2: Scottish Cup final, Derek, from the season 1992 to 1993, where Rangers played at Celtic Park against Aberdeen uh, for a chance for some more silverware.
0: Sorry Dave, I was a bit dismayed when you sent me the link there because it came up with a picture of that mid so I wasn't too chuffed having that on my timeline
2: there The reason that was Derek because I don't know if you can remember, that was when Hamden was getting renovated so a cup final was played at the Mayer stadium but at that period in time it was a very successful stomping ground for us and certainly was on this occasion as well. The game was played on the 29th of May 1993 and the Rangers team on that day was Andy Gorham, John Brown, David Robertson, Richard Goff, Dave McPherson, Stuart McCall, Ian Durant, Ian Ferguson, Mark Hately, Peter Hustra, Neil Murray making up the Rangers team there. So Neil Murray at that time, young, promising midfielder in, in the Rangers team. Aberdeen team, Snell, Wright, Wright, McKimmy, Irvin Grant Richardson, Mason Booth, Shearer and Patalainen, so the Aberdeen team back then, full of international players, so uh, it was going to be a cracker of a game, so the first chance of the match uh, was a half volley, that was for Aberdeen by Grant at the edge of the box, so it just skips Andy Gorham's left-hand post and out for a goal kick, so had to uh, Aberdeen starting the game off there really quickly, then it was at Aberdeen again. Paul Mason races into the Rangers box on the right hand side he has a sort of cross shot which is palmed away by Andy Gorham takes him by surprise a few minutes after that the first chance for Rangers and Ian Durant races over the halfway line a ball into Stuart McCall up to Mark Hately who heads the ball back across the face of the goal to Ian Durant who had kept his run going he doesn't get a clean head to it and the ball is headed clear by the Aberdeen defence. So Ian Gerard not known for his heading ability there and you could see it quite clearly that that was a, a half-decent chance. But then on the 23rd minute, Rangers took the lead. That's McCall. A chance
1: on here for Murray.
2: on the left-hand side. He gets dispossessed, but then wins the ball back. Plays the ball into Stuart McCall in the middle of the park where he plays a sort of hopeful ball up into the box. Brian Irvin goes to clear the ball, but completely misses it. And it rolls through to Neil Murray, who had stayed up with the play. He shoots, it takes a deflection off Irvin, who tried to make up for his mistake. And the ball sneaks past Theo Snelder's into the goal to make it 1-0 to Rangers, so fair play to the young guy, Neil Murray, he'd kept up with the play, has his shot, it ends up in the back of the net, absolute dream for him in a cup final, then after that, Peter Huster, left-hand side of midfield, into Ian Durant, fantastic through ball, again to Murray, who'd stayed up again he races through, Snelder's races out, and he goes in with Murray. He has a tame effort, though, into Snelder's hands. Really should have scored there and should have scored the second goal. Then eh, another chance for Rangers really coming into the game now. Ian Durant to Mark Hately in the middle of the Aberdeen half. Alec McLeish with a really late tackle, and he, he, Ian Durant, lucky to get away with that one there, but the ball had been played out to Peter Huster on the left. He put it back into he, Ian Durant, who managed to get back up he has a shot over the bar still 1-0 really unlucky there but then just before half time the 43rd minute Rangers doubled their lead
1: touchdown by Haidley this is Durant Haidley again strong play by Wright Haidley's clear this is Danger for Aberdeen and a magnificent goal from Mark Hateley. the second for Rangers and sheer look. his strength and his pace and his accuracy on that second goal pure joy on the terraces for these Rangers supporters But Mark Hayley drilling that almost through Theo Snelders. it's his 29th goal of a superb season Hauser did well so did Durant with a delicate ball through and there was Hayley looking up assessing the options and the power and the accuracy beat Snellers
2: Mark Hately, half on the halfway line, through to Hustra on the left-hand side. Great ball into Ian Durant. First-time ball through to Hately, who kept running. He raced through and then just blasts a fantastic low shot through the legs of Theo Snelders into the goal. Phenomenal goal for Rangers. Great play by Hately and Durant, especially Hately. He kind of knew what was going to be happening there. Durant knew exactly where he was going to be and a fantastic end result. Great goal for Rangers, going in at time, 2-0 up. So you would have thought it would have been an easy streak for Rangers in the second half, but Aberdeen really went out, especially starting the second half, to put us under pressure. And they were shooting from all over the place. There was a shot at the edge of the box by Pat Alain and saved by Andy Gorham. Then a few half chances for, for, for Aberdeen after that. But Rangers then... Trying to get back into the game, trying to put a foot in it. And it was Stuart McCall, where an incredible long range shot, way, way out, just inches wide at the post. It had been one of the goals of the season, really unlucky. Aberdeen then rolling their, you know, gambling, bringing Jess on, who hadn't been fit, but he certainly came on and was causing problems. Rangers were on the back foot, and then unfortunately Aberdeen did manage to get a goal in the 78th minute.
1: Melbourne was quick. Here's Richardson the deflection and Aberdeen are back in the match the first break in the game for Aberdeen the deflected shot from Lee Richardson and there are 12 minutes left for play and hope suddenly for these Aberdeen supporters there was Richardson looking up striding into the gap ahead driving the ball fiercely it came off John Brown and that left Gorham without a hope
2: Richardson runs to the edge of the box. A low shot and it deflected off John Brown past Andy Gorham. It was the only way Aberdeen were going to get a goal uh, in this game because Gorham had been outstanding. Aberdeen piling on the pressure from then, And then Rangers playing on the counter-attack. They break with Davey Robertson on the left up to Hooster who runs to the corner, checks back, and then he shoots just over the bar. Really unlucky there. And then with a few minutes to go there was a siege in, into the Rangers box A flurry of crosses But Richard Gough, Dave McPherson Defending fantastically Standing tall, clearing everything that came in And then Rangers saw the game out This is Paul Mason
1: And the final whistle goes Rangers have won the cup They won the treble But they had to battle right to the end to do so Walter Smith comes on. He's won the treble as Rangers manager. He goes straight to Mark Hateley, and that is thoroughly justified. Going round all these players now, but it is significant, I think, that he went straight to Hateley, who played such an important part not only in this victory but also in the season's triumphs. Ian Durand also getting a warm hug from his manager. Scottish Cup from Sir Hector Munro, the Minister of Sport in Scotland there's the scene the Rangers supporters were waiting for Rangers have done it again the trophy has passed on the line of players the Tenants Cup is also presented Walter Smith with the trophy Applauded by the Rangers supporters. He's done a remarkable job in his two seasons in charge. Two one
2: victory, lifting the cup, and just to see it at the end, there was at Ali McCoy stout on his crutches to celebrate with the team. Tremendous result for the Rangers. Excellent cup final, battling all the way and just fantastic for Rangers to get silverweight, especially at Celtic Park. So great memories for me looking back, especially under Walter's tenure. It was a great game for for me to look back. I remember it well and as always, if you get the chance to go back, please go back and watch it. It It was great fun.
0: That was obviously part of that historic domestic treble as well That's in the undefeated get it, get it. season. Yep. So, uh, incredible, uh, incredible season. That's, yep. you know, unfortunately, I was a wee bit too young to really understand what was going on, but it was a season where I, I, I started following Rangers. So, history all round.
2: Definitely, Derek. It was great watching it again. yeah memories and again, it brings back to me, you take it for granted, but guys like Mark Haley, when he was on Forum, was unstoppable and he was he was tremendous in this game as well. So, not
0: great stuff. So, Dave will be back with another classic match next time. So, we'll now go into the news. So, as ever, we've got tons to cover here in the news. I'm going to obviously go off on a rant as well. It's certainly one of them, one of the pieces here. But the first thing is BBC documentary on Walter Smith. Given the issues we've had with the BBC Scotland over the years, this was an exceptionally well done piece and a very fitting tribute. Could have been three hours long instead of an hour. Yeah. Uh, Alex Ferguson, Richard Goff, David Murray, Brian Laudrup to name a few people on it. Surprisingly, no Ali McCoyst, which is a bit strange, but certainly uh, it was a, a a very fitting tribute nonetheless.
2: Derek, it was brilliant. I was absolutely gripped by it. I sat, I had a tear in my eye watching it. The memories for me especially, this was in my a prime Rangers supporting era of my life when I was going to, you know, almost every single game. It brought back some incredible memories for me. Just watching it, and again, just you know, it, it bring to the realization that the that, that Walter's no longer here. Which you know, again, it was v- very sad. But as you say, we have a lot of criticism for the BBC, but for the people who made that, I, I take my hat off to them because it was it was an excellent tribute. I thought Alec Ferguson and Graham Sunas especially were fantastic in the way that it ended with Graham Soonis basically just turning around and saying out of everything that we can say about him, he was my mate and that for me, that really got me, that was the sort of lump in the throat time when he said that, it was beautifully done and as you say, a, a fitting tribute so well done to the people that made that.
0: It was the stories for Bill Kenwright as well, and it's they both knew Smith's time was up at Everton, and it was the way Smith reacted to that. You know, walked out the room, told the assistant, right, put the kettle on, right, and let's choose who my successor is yeah, and basically yeah, is. And it's like you know Kenwright saying that you know it wasn't a successful time, but nobody could say anything bad about him because he was such a no. a great guy. So
2: did going go his time in Everton? I don't think there has been a few odd seasons since then that Everton have done all right and, you know, have I've, I've maybe been a bit higher than, than mid-table, but it's been a difficult job for any manager going down there, and especially the fact that Walter had no money to spend whatsoever with the, the financial difficulties. I don't think for him it lasted as long as they did, I think, it was a you know a real achievement for him also. So.
0: Andy got his star players basically sold from out, out with under them. Yeah, exactly. done about yep. it? So, yep. yeah, sadly missed. Um, next thing we've got here is obviously the news that has just broke over the last couple of days. Nathan Patterson has signed a deal with Everton worth yeah. sixteen million pounds. That is nothing short of incredible, especially considering he's a bench player just now and he's only started four times this season, I think. So the, the deal it's undisclosed, but allegedly it's meant to be £12 million with 10 up front and then four with add-ons. So we might yeah. not see that four, but you know how that's structured. Plus as well, more importantly, there's a sell-on clause as well. Obviously though, BBC have still got to, to oh, put them neb in and report that it as a £10 million deal, yeah, despite incredible. every other outlet saying yep. it's 12 with add-ons. Yep. Incredible. Every other outlet I've actually led with it's 16, to be honest. Yes, so, yep. Uh, just you can't. I know, no, They no, can we, do one good thing and then they fuck <laughs> it up. It 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 it's anyway.
2: unbelievable. No, Derek, going back to that, I think we all know that Patterson's a fantastic talent, that we've got a young player with a world at his feet. He's now uh, an international player as well. He's always played well for us. I can't honestly turn around to say, in the, the games that he's played for us, and there hasn't been a lot, but it has been excellent for us. But that's a no brainer, you know, to get that amount of money for a young lad that's only played two, two games for us a season, the rest of it has been substitute appearances. Complete no brainer. That's a huge amount of money that we couldn't turn down. And, uh, you know, we wish him all, all the best. He paid a fitting uh, tribute to the supporters and basically said that the Rangers are his, his team. He's one of us. He'll definitely be back cheering the team on. Wishes everybody all the best. Brilliant from the young guy. And uh, as I say, I'm, I've got no, no doubts, Derek, that he'll go down there and he'll be a fantastic player. I really do. So just wish the guy all, all the best.
0: I mean, to a man, there's not. Be, I've never seen one tweet or post on anything to slate the guy for it at all. No, and that's the difference. It's all about timing, you know. Yeah, it's all about timing and how you do it and the way you conduct yourself. And unlike our previous manager, he certainly fucked us over with that one. It's turned out better than we thought it was going to be, but that wasn't really the point. I mean, ultimately that is the benchmark for sales now. And of course, it's disappointing that we have to use this player sales model, but it's it's the way we have to do it now. And as I said on Twitter, even though somebody's leaving, the Gerrard and the Geo thing is ultimately the key to say that It's not always a bad thing when someone moves on. Obviously, it's not a bad thing for the player. We're getting a shit ton of money as well, as long as it's used wisely to plug any gaps and possibly investment as well. I mean, it's even better when it's an academy and a graduate like this. It was almost the perfect example The perfect example would have been getting a year or two full out of him, like being a proper starter. But when the money's that good, when you've got a player who's in his position, that's played out of his skin generally as well, and who's the captain, you can't really turn that down. No. I mean, we're not going to get anybody again like Barry Ferguson coming through from the the academy all the way through, spending most of his career here and then moving on. When we get a player who's a very good prospect or he's turning it on game in and game out every time he plays, regardless if it's a start or not and how experienced he is, he'll be moving on within the year, yeah. you can imagine now.
2: Yeah, No, no. Like I said, Derek, a complete no-brainer. I think every fan out there realises that the money was too, too good for a player who has been mostly a bench player. It's a, it's a fantastic piece of business. We just have to wait and ho- hold our breath now to see if there's going to be any other players similar to him that could be going away. But the great thing as well, Derek, is I think we are now finally past the point of we're not going to accept stupid bids for players like we've heard today also. Apparently there was a pathetic bid of £2 million <laughs> for Bo- Bo- Borna Barisic from Watford, which is laughable. Long gone are the days now, Derek, where we would have to consider things like that, which is to me, absolutely fantastic and shows that the club is being run properly like we have been looking for for a long time. So even if the manager was only to get a a fraction of that money back from Patterson, The fact that he's gone isn't going to be a huge impact on the squad and it can only be better for us. So, no, uh, like I said, delighted for it. It's a huge move for him as well, Derek, and a huge opportunity to go down and play in England. He'll be getting his, his Scotland place forevermore now as well, which is great for him also. And, you know, I'll be certainly hoping that he does well.
0: Absolutely. And I did mention about, you know, the the fact that a previous thing wasn't even the most embarrassing thing the Celtic fans had done because they went in complete and utter meltdown over this deal as well. Claims yeah, that we enough. are claims that we are skin, oh, we need the money. Imagine selling your best prospect, etc. etc. You know, if it wasn't for the Celtic's model of selling players over the past ten years, they wouldn't be a club anymore because their losses would be astronomical and people would be calling in debts right, left and centre. This is the model that both of us need to be used. Celtic have used it wisely. They've done it amazingly. And I I hate to say, but they have been amazing at it over the past 10 years. It's now the model we need to adopt. And if we can get that kind of money for players, it's incredible. Now, it just shows you, you're you're talking about the money we got for him. Well, he's a bench player. He's not started a lot. He's still a very raw prospect at this stage. Even though when he's came into games, he's never let the occasion overshine yeah. him at all no, he's it, looked it, it very assured yeah. mm-hmm. so it makes even more sense that you said yeah. that we're not going to accept ludicrous deals for players we've had a £16 million bid for Alfredo Morelos record European goal scorer for Rangers uh, an established European player setting a light Europe top goal scorer in Europe I think one year as well why are we going to accept a £16 million bid for him when we can get yeah. £16 million for a, a player that's sitting on the bench
2: exactly yes so
0: it is now the benchmark. Anyway, yep. move on now. 26th of March 2022, we have lined up a star-studded game to mark our 150th anniversary. It's a Global 11 versus Rangers Legends. Now, some of the names, Georgie Hadji, Leo Sfigo, Roberto Carlos, Robert Perez. Some of the names for the world team. And then we've got Van Bronckhurst, Jelovic, Papic, Molls, Boyd and Gaza. Yes, Gaza yep. playing for our Legends team. That is going to be some game.
2: Yeah, no, it'll it'll be brilliant Derek And I'm sure, hope will, I'm saying I'm sure Here's hoping that we're back to capacity crowds by that Because that's a game that the fans will not want to miss So here's, fingers crossed
0: Yes, it did cause controversy when we announced it However, as we said, it was the first We were the first major <laughs> European club to reach our 150th anniversary Led to Notts Forest fans think they still consider themselves as a major European club Yeah, Granted, historically major as they've won back-to-back European Cups in the late 70s As well as one, yes, one league title in the same era And two very historic FA Cups and four League Cups That's all they've won in their history but they mm-hmm. haven't been in Europe in nearly 30 years, not won yeah. a domestic trophy in over 30 years, and not been in their top league since 1999, where they were up for a season and then got relegated and have been down there ever since Championship or Division 1. If yeah. they still consider themselves a major European club, then Stirling Albion are a major European club.
2: It's <laughs> hilarious, Derek. Yeah, You could put it into perspective of possibly a team like, for I don't know, Dundee United, do you know what I mean? You know, D- Dundee United had major su- success in Europe as the Dabber Dean, but not at any stage would you turn around to say that they were a major club anymore in Scotland. So that's uh, that's the kind of way. But they do have a large fan base, Derek, and I'm sure there was a lot of them got upset with that one. But I really don't care to be perfectly honest with you.
0: No, exactly not. Even though I've just spent the last couple of minutes talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> next thing here is Zeb Jacobs has been appointed Academy Head of Coaching he's coming in from Royal Antwerp where he yeah. was the Talent Coordinator and Head of Development and in the Antwerp Academy so
2: yeah d- definitely and again on paper Derek the Giovanni Van Bronckhurst backroom staff is looking more impressive you know with every, every person that's getting added top quality European pe- pedigrees for all of them so it's it's really exciting and as you say we welcome and we wish them all the success in the future.
0: Yes absolutely Next thing, George Letham has stepped down from the board and PR Chief David Graham has appointed the comms director and Kenny Barclay appointed the finance director. Obviously can't thank George Letham enough for being part yeah. of the three bears and uh, one of them ones to wrestle control from Mike Ashley Yes, and it makes absolute sense for the PR Chief to be on board also. So as the comms director, that obviously drew the ire of a few, given his background. But honestly, I don't have time for any of the pet shit that they come away with anymore. Next thing is, bizarrely, Dave King has given his notice to the board that he wants to return to the board. He stated that now his interests in South Africa have stabilised following COVID. He's now available to rejoin. It kind of goes against what he said previously when he came in with with the three bears that he didn't want to do it, but he felt duty bound. And I'm also sure he stated at the same time as well, he kind of wanted to get in, do the job and get out and focus Mm -hmm. on his family and businesses in South Africa. And that was even before COVID was invented. So I'm really... Just baffled at his timing. Yes. I'm baffled at the reasons why we all know he's had issues with certain members of the, the board.
2: This is what we do not need, Derek, at this time now where we're getting the club stabilised again. Money's coming in, success. We do not want any more backroom problems in there, you know, especially with that. We all thank Dave King for everything he done as well, coming in. But as you say, this is is, is kind of baffling and it's more for the fact that he suddenly changed and said that he wants to come back. Now, there's something definitely ongoing there Derek I know you take more of an interest in this than what I do but it's very baffling to me the timing that this is all so, so, something like that's happened. So
0: we we'll just need to watch this space. Yes. Next thing is Gio, Ross Wilson and Postecoglou of all people and an unnamed woman were pictured in a restaurant together last month. No idea what it was about but it certainly got tongues wagging you know I can't be arsed with the usual tribalism about you know oh I should have been mixing with him and all that. If you remember Gio was good friends with Larson and they hung about with each other when both of them were players at, at both of our clubs. So, you know, I, I think more is made about it than what was actually happening. I think uh, Van Bronkers came out and said that it was it, it was really only five minutes. It looked a lot longer, but it was about five minutes. So, I really don't care. So, it was just a an no, unusual it's picture. I,
2: it just it was an, an, an unusual p- picture, Derek. We don't usually see things like that, but. Van Bronckhorst, the way that he said, the, the two of them, you know, w- w- were there at the same time. They stopped to speak for a wee while. They're going to be rival managers. Fair enough. Do you know what I mean? It's not as if they were discussing, you know, future transfers and stuff like that between clubs or anything like that. So fair play. The the the, the two of them being civil to each other and you know that. as like you, Derek, I'm not really looking too too much in, into that one.
0: No next thing here is to date that r- the wrongful prosecution case relating to us has cost the taxpayer almost forty million pounds
2: incredible
0: yet still no heads have rolled from the organizations yep. involved unbelievable really unbelievable, is. yes, totally. Related to that, BDO are still fighting to get another £51 million of the alleged tax debt wiped out for, to, in the benefit of the creditors. That is part of £64.5 million still being claimed by the HMRC. Just under £50 million of that is for the use of EBT's. Now, as I've said all along, the HMRC have went after the amount paid into the scheme rather than the tax that should have been owed on it, which would have made the biggest tax case probably round about 10 to £50 million pound, rather than the £70 to £100 million pound that they were actually after initially. Yeah. All that meant is the debt was manageable and the the whole... Craig White and everything that followed would not have happened because Dave Murray wouldn't have had to sell the club to yes. to someone like White. So it's been a shambles right from the beginning, and totally. I, I think there needs to be some sort of public inquiry once this is all settled out about what has went on. Maybe we might get to the bottom of of yeah, why things finally. happened the way it is. Yeah. Speaking of, Craig White was again arrested at an airport. This time it was Manchester rather than some South American country. It was for withholding key passwords in a financial probe into another case, which I think is relating to uh, another one of his companies. He was granted conditional bail pending trial and faces up to two years for that offence if found guilty which was failing to provide these passwords. Not saying much more about it because no. it's a live case, but you know, there is history there, Weak. isn't there?
2: We all ha- have have our, our, our feelings, Derek, which is be a, collectively amongst all, all, all the fans. But as you say, we'll not see any more just now.
0: Yeah. Another court case here, we have lost the latest round of Sports Direct and we have to disclose the details of the Castor deal. Again, it's all down to what, apparently, compensation we should be owing Sports Direct. I'm really not sure how they can quantify any loss of earnings from a contract breach when we were boycotting it anyway, so it yeah. will roll on, it will roll on, whoever gets the decision against them will likely appeal unless there's some sort of order put in that no appeal's could happen. happen. Well, we'll wait and see. Yes, yep. Yeah. Next thing here, another investigation At this time the SFA are investigating The SPFL over a potential Rule breach by the SPFL Over our dispute with them in the cinch saga As we told them The deal was in conflict with us But they pressed ahead with it anyway So I can't see any other outcome Than the SPFL getting hammered for this one Good Yeah Last couple of things here is Cudela has taken his appeal for his ban against him being a racist prick to the Court of Arbitration for Sport and the appeal has to be held on the 21st of January. So hopefully that gets thrown out.
2: Yeah, here's hoping, Derek. Again, something that we will never forget as our fan base and, you know, players will certainly never forget either.
0: Yeah. Now, next one here. Dave... I had to mute the chat on on Twitter with this one because it was getting a wee (laughs) bit... He's not against us, but to one particular woman who was just an absolute arsehole. But mental health issues in football and with fans specifically, because it all stemmed from a Tory MSP and First Minister's questions asking about if there will be any provisions for football fans whose mental health has suffered being locked out of games. Now... It was all given the cordial answer in First Minister's questions. Right, that's fair enough. However, from the SNP supporters, it was treated as a complete and utter joke. Now, two things at play with this one. It was a Tory who asked it. So SNP supporters rubbish absolutely anything they say. It could be a case that the Tories could cure cancer and the SNP goons would still rubbish it. So that's one issue there. But the second one here is that absolute elitist attitude that they think that football fans are common or scum and it's just football get a life and get some perspective people are dying etc etc right that's no the issue whatsoever and the fact that you're just saying oh it's just football get a life that is fucking an abomination that but A wee story that me and my mates, I've been out in a group around four times in the last two years because of all this COVID thing. And it's probably like every single person out there not being out with their mates very much. One of the last times I was out was before lockdown was four of us going down to Newcastle to see Newcastle against Burnley. And the Rangers Hearts semi-final was that same day. Now, we watched that on the train on the way back up. Stood all, stood all four of us stood in the luggage area huddling around the phone to try and get a reception to try and watch the football we had also planned to go to Stirling Albion seven of us, Stirling Albion Hospitality this weekend, however due to these new restrictions they've cancelled that now the worst part of the whole day of that Newcastle trip I was actually watching the Newcastle game and then watching the Rangers game <laughs> it was the football, that was the worst part of it for a start, the, an English Premiership game was absolute shite There was only one shot on target all game. And in the Rangers game, we all know that went to fucking cock as well, right? And then the Stirling Hospitality, we're going to see a League Two football game. The football is generally a load of crap. So what my point I'm getting to is that if you think it's just going to the football and we're only going to the football to see the football, and that's the only story, you're a narrow-minded idiot. It's clearly about the social aspect of it. I mean, in that Newcastle trip, we still talk about the funny things that happened during, you know, a wind catching my hat and it blowing away and a few different things, huddling around the phone and, and getting bumped about in the, the, the luggage area, folk moving. Things like that. Is uh, The laughs we had were great. Football is a social thing. It's not just about going to see the football. Yeah, when we're going to see Rangers or your club you support, there's uh, there's an element of you want to see your team win, you want to see good football, you want to see a good entertainment. But generally, you'll go with a lot of friends or some friends, and you go for that camaraderie you go for that interaction with friends who some of some people might not get out a lot that might be their only outlet that might be the only time they see their friends that is the issue with with this here you cannot turn around and say to someone or oh, your mental health doesn't matter because it's only football your mental health might be suffering for other reasons that's perfectly fine i'm not going to have an issue with that you know that you deal with you For them to come away with that shit, and as I said, I had to lock the account because, in fairness, folk were sending the the woman abuse. But the whole dismissive thing about, oh, you should go and do some charity work then, that was the sum of it. And it was absolutely disgusting. And she clearly didn't have a clue about the aspects I've just talked about and the fact that football fans are some of the most generous people out there with all the charity stuff we do she had no a clue because she'd just seen football, Ah, it's a commoners game. It's scum, scummy people. And that's what you generally get with when it comes to the minority of, of idiots that cause issues with fighting and flares and all that kind of stuff. You just get viewed in the wider aspect, oh, yes. they're scumbag football fans. There's a bigger issue at play here, and it is mental health. In this day and age, people sometimes need help. Over the last two years, a lot of people have needed help. And that's one thing that that... MP, MSP was trying to highlight there. It's not just about football, it's about the wider aspect and ultimately it was trying to make the government as it stands just now understand that the least we thing that they think they're doing might have bigger implications for somebody else. So that's kind of all I want to say about that but it absolutely disgusted me that there's the, 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 the narrow-minded bigotry that went on in that, that case there.
2: The thing that gets me about it, Derek, right? And I'm, as I say, I've been going to foot football a long time And you can go and watch your team get defeated and be absolutely devastated. And the next day you wake up, you are automatically looking forward to the next game to right that wrong. Or your team could have had an incredible victory. And the next again day, you are counting down the days to be able to go and watch them again. Whether it's in the stadium, whether it's on the TV, whatever, it is an escape. It's a relief. It's a release. It's hope, isn't it? It's not just oh, I the foot the footballs on or watch anything, especially in a country like Scotland. Football is a lifeblood in this country. It, it really is. The football standard is shite. We all know that, but we wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, well, we would. Uh, <laughs> But it's true, it's it's all to do with with support, it's all to do with family, it gets handed down for generation to generation, and it's this whole middle class, as you say, football fans scum, football doesn't mean anything, it's just a meaningless game and stuff, I'm sorry, it's not like that in Scotland, it's not like that in the vast majority of countries in the world, Derek. But it's not like that in Scotland. It is all to do. Of course, there's hatred in it. Of course, there's hatred for other teams and for other fans. But that's what keeps everybody going. That's why football is so different to nearly any other sport in the world. It gives you something to look forward to. It gives you something to really cling on to. It gives you hope. It gives you belief. And going to the game is a huge part of that as well. I miss going to football so much, Derek, and you know me, if it wasn't because of working and working weekends all the time, I would be going, so even the odd, you know, the three or four times I get to go to a game during the season, it's a huge event for me, it gives me something to look forward to, it gives me something to remember, to look back at your pictures and your timeline and social media and stuff like that, so I'm with you, Derek, I'm not going to take up a political stance because you know me and politics don't go, I don't think there's any one of the parties out, out there that are good, good enough to run this country I'm not a Tory, I despise the SNP right enough, I'm not Labour either, I'm not really anything uh, that's just my, my beliefs. I don't think there's one single party out there that are good, good enough to put us all at their, their best interest and, and there never has been so I'm very sort of anti-politics but going by everything that you have told me and that I saw on there as you say it's just it brands all foot, football fans together which is shocking and it is much more than that football so much more, more than that and you know whether you're an avid supporter or, or you're a, just a sort of average fan or you're a you know fanatics like us that record podcasts and stuff like that it's all linked in there Derek and for it to be dismissed like that is is really really poor because I believe that everybody out there in the same boat as us is doing huge things for people's mental health by just even listening and talking about foot football as well. So no, I was I was completely in agreement with you there, Derek. So uh, but as, as as you say, it was starting to get out, out of hand. That was the only thing that 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 got me. But uh, no, a a hundred percent agree with you there.
0: And do you know what was even funnier is we had Celtic fans agreeing with us in this one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> brung together, you know, Rangers yeah. and Celtic fans yep. for a brief moment. So so this is a story that's going to probably just completely disprove my my comments about not all football fans are scumbags. Right, okay. Job put flare up, bum drank twenty ciders, snorted coke, then stormed Wembley for England versus Italy Euro twenty 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 final. Right, <laughs> <laughs> <Wait>, right. <wait>, let's, <laughs>
2: let's start from the beginning of the day.
0: A job filmed putting a lit flare up his bum strolled into Wembley without a ticket after a 15 hour drink and drug spender. Charlie Perry, 25, on Wednesday night boasted of dodging shambolic security England's Euro finals after downing 20 cans of cider. Oh my God, right. Some 2,500 gate crashers caused mayhem, but he said, I'm not sorry. <laughs> One of the shameful army of Wembley gate crashers last night told how getting in without a ticket for the historic Euro 2020 final was piss easy. Brazen Charlie Perry, 25, was filmed putting a lit flare up his bum after <coughs> bruising since 8.30am, nearly 12 hours before the England Italy game. He estimates he downed 20 cans of strongbow, banged a load of powder throughout Sunday, but was allowed to stroll in without a ticket for the showpiece final. Chelsea fan Perry, who boasted of bravery Winner's to get in, insisted he regrets nothing and is already looking forward to his next next guitar, I'm into Qatar
2: 2022 <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> if that is no stereotyping as a football fan for London do you know what I no. mean I, I, I don't know what
0: is. he gloated that had been on the piss since half eight in the morning and had at least 20 cans of Strongbow it was the biggest day of my life there were no rules that day all I know is I loved it all I was off my face and loved every minute
1: <laughs> <laughs> no remorse whatsoever
0: Legend. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's an absolute belt up. As you say, Derek, that goes, against, that goes against everything that we've just been speaking about for the last
0: ten.
2: <laughs> 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 I hope that wife does, does not hear that story, Derek. That's um, what I no. hope.
0: Yes. So, on <laughs> that oh, note, my
2: God, I mental,
0: absolute mental. On that note, we will end the podcast. <laughs> So, as of <laughs> if you want to check out other stuff that we do, you can go to our still-to-be-updated website, which is iReadyPodcast.wordpress.com, and you'll find all the stuff, apart from this season, that we do. You can also check us out on all the other social media and podcast outlets as well, such as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. So, Dave, it's going to be a wee while before we record again, even though it's already been a month. Yeah. Uh, we'll need to wait and see what happens in the transfer window, but more importantly, obviously you know, we'll need to wait and see what happens in the, the coming days with and any all that restrictions.
2: L- l- lovely gossip, transfer gossip oh. that you love, Derek. I yeah. I, I can't wait for that. I'm gonna bombard you, you you on WhatsApp with the amount of players that we're getting linked to. It's gonna be glorious.
0: You sent me the Patterson thing and I basically, like, Dave, I'm not interested, I don't care until it's confirmed. <laughs> and then you sent me back just like Stephen Gerard, Gerrard, Denny. Yes,
2: exactly. Uh-huh. Very dismissive of, of, of you, Derek. So it is, but no, it's, it's great. I, I love all, all the rumour stuff, Derek. It really, I, I love all that. And I know maybe, you hate it.
0: Maybe maybe if I send you something like, oh, I've seen that. Aye, I wonder if it'll happen. <laughs> it won't happen. Maybe i play reverse psychology and that'll that sort of happen. Maybe, maybe. There you go. <laughs> yes, so thanks for listening and goodbye.
2: Take care, folks. Bye bye.
0: And
1: the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it.
0: Let's go. Manchester, brace yourself. Rangers are coming.